But if you align what your HR function is working on with what's most important that your CEO is sharing with your investors and your board, if your top three priorities align perfectly with the top three priorities of your organization, your chances of success are dramatically better. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello, and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, and I'm CEO of JGA Recruitment Group, specialist HR recruiters. Now, whether you're listening to this for the first time or the hundredth time, please let me take this opportunity to say thank you for joining me today, especially if you want to master HR within high growth organizations, because today I'm joined by Andrew Bartlow, who possesses over 25 years of HR and talent management experience at organizations across a wide spectrum of sizes, maturity stages, and industries. Now, he's now CEO of the People Leader Accelerator Program. We're going to find out more about that during the course of this podcast. And he essentially helps the fastest growing brands such as Masterclass to determine the best fitting HR practices. He's also the co-author of Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations. And I will put a link to that book in the episode notes if you want to find out more as we go through this podcast. And he also leads Series B Consulting, which helps businesses to articulate their people strategies and accelerate their growth while navigating rapid change. And there's no no bigger time for rapid change than right now as we start to hopefully come out of these pandemic times. We're seeing lots of transformation. We're seeing lots of growth. So I think it's a perfect time to welcome Andrew Bartlett to the show. How are you feeling today? Nick, I'm feeling great. You know, thanks so much for the really kind introduction. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely delighted to have you on the show. I'm going to start with the question I always start with, Andrew, which is this. What do the words human resources mean to you? Human resources, uh, I, I think about in the context of a business or an organization. And there are you know, physical resources, assets, there are financial resources, your capital stack, your your investors, your your debt. And then there are people resources. It's the talent, skills, and the uh, engagement of your people that uh, can drive your business forward. That, that is human resources. Absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. And that's, you can tell that you've got that wealth of experience behind you just in that answer. I'm sure there's lots of HR professionals thinking, yep, you absolutely nailed it. Well, look, there are many companies and organizations which at the moment are trying to develop their culture. It's a really, uh, certainly in the UK here, trying to drive culture and change their cultures. We're seeing lots of rapid change. You know, the likes of Google, Airbnb, HubSpot, and some of the companies that we kind of aspire to be just like those. But we're aware that not all companies have the resources available to make that happen. But it doesn't necessarily mean we can't develop a an inspirational culture. So I'd love to know from someone with your experience in working in high growth companies, how can those HR leaders really go about developing first class, motivational, inspiring cultures in small organizations where perhaps resources are more limited? Sure, sure. Well, I, I love the intro uh, because it's so common in that other organizations are, are in that small, fast growing organizations are looking over the fence and yeah. seeing and hearing about other organizations that have been incredibly successful and, and trying to replicate that. 
So, so I would start with be yourself, be yourself, figure out what is compelling and unique, differentiating about your organization and amplify that as much as you can, right? So don't try to be Google. Don't try to be LinkedIn if you have 25 people. It's a very different organization with you know different resources, it, again, back in people resources, financial resources, physical resources, different maturity. So start with be yourself, operate within your reality and figure out what's authentic to your organization. You know, second, I'd, I'd suggest put yourself in the shoes of the people that you want to work for you. Both those candidates that you want to attract and the, you know, the, the talent that you're trying to bring in, as well as those most important people that, that are working for you today. And it, there's something called an employment value proposition, EVP. So what can you do inside your organization that's authentic to you uh, that would be compelling for those people to join you or to stay? So th- those are the two first and maybe most important pieces. Be yourself and try to figure out whatever it is, looking at your own organization, your own environment, your own present, that would be compelling. It's great advice. If you're an HR director listening to this, okay, maybe you're part of a high, high growth organization, you've got a CEO, I'm thinking of billions now, the show, for those that are familiar with it, you've got an HR professional, I think it's Wendy in there, but you, you, you're you being told to deliver a certain agenda by the CEO or who are the C-suite. If their vision is X, and maybe they want the Google vision, but you, the reality is you've got to deliver what's possible. How would you manage that pushback in order to achieve both objectives? Sure. Well, it's a conversation, you know, two-sided conversation with that CEO founder around who are we today and who do we want to be and become? And so it's as much grounded in reality um, as it can be an aspiration, but if it's not grounded in reality, uh, then it's just unrealistic. You know, hey, I'll say pretty frankly that you know some CEO founders are more aspirationally oriented than others. Sure. And if as an HR professional, you're being asked to deliver something that just isn't reality, maybe there's a better option for you. So consult your founders, consult your business leaders, and help them and your organization come up with the best possible answer for your organization. But no longer should we as HR professionals, just execute what we're being asked to deliver, right? We're, we're not servers at a restaurant. We can and should operate as thought partners around what is the right answer. Don't steer towards one particular outcome or another. Um, have this sort of iterative, consultative, advisory discussion around who are we really today and who realistically can we become and what does that look like? And if it's not grounded in reality, then you know chances are it won't be terribly successful. No, I couldn't agree more. I think you've actually nailed something that I think has become really um, obvious recently, which is HR is one of the hardest jobs in the world right now. You've got to manage expectations. But on top of that, post-pandemic, we're looking at managing culture, compensation and benefits sometimes, talent management now, which is absolutely at a premium. I know that from, from my recruitment uh, business. Um, you know, HR leaders expect to be the experts in even things like COVID pandemic responses and office management, got diversity and inclusion, and it goes on and on. It's such a difficult job. It's so difficult to keep all the plates spinning, to be a so-called expert in all of these different realms. So my question 
for you, I guess, is how has HR suddenly become so so central to the success of smaller businesses? And how can we navigate what I believe is now one of the hardest jobs in any high growth company or any company, regardless of size, to be fair? I honestly don't think that the role has changed. I think that the awareness of the potential of the role has changed. I think that the expectations have elevated sure. uh, during the pandemic and, and um, are, are, are changing times. Far too often, I'll, I'll say this bluntly and maybe somewhat controversially, far too often business leaders are, are hiring order takers in the HR seat, are hiring people that are more executionally and transactionally oriented. Yeah. And there, there's a place for that if the business leader has great experience and knows what they want to deliver. What we're finding, what is becoming more apparent in today's environment is that those business leaders don't have the expertise in human resources, human capital uh, management practices that a professional could. You know, having the HR professional be that true professional and hold themselves to a high standard and the hiring managers elevate the role in their minds around what that person needs to bring to the, to the job. It's, it's not just great project management. It's not just service with a smile. It's, it's real competence and confidence in being able to you know, push back and come up with solutions. Holding the C-suite HR professional to the same standard that a you know, chief revenue officer, a chief financial officer would be held. So let's, let's focus on that for a moment then. I'm, I'm thinking with my recruitment hat on now. If I was representing a, a high-growth business, they came to me as a recruiter and said, Nick, we need some support. We need to recruit an HR professional. We don't know what that job spec looks like. We don't know how much we want this role to be strategic, how much of it we want it to be transactional, or even whether or not this should be a C-suite level role. What would your response be to that? How would you, you know, describe, and I appreciate every business is different, but in an ideal scenario, how would that um, calculation or, or algorithm work if you were creating a job description? Sure. Yeah. If you, if you don't know what you don't know, and if you haven't hired for this role a bunch of times in the past, you know, start by educating yourself. Start by talking to people that do the job today. doesn't necessarily mean that you're recruiting them in. It yeah. means that you're learning what they do and how the role is framed up. Um, it means having a relationship with an executive search partner that can help you as the hiring leader, understand what the role is and what good looks like. Uh, so you'll you'll educate yourself on what the role can be, in part through the search process and the search prep process. And heck, even upstream from that is acknowledging that you don't know what you don't know. Sure. So uh, educate yourself on that role and lean on partners that operate in that way today. Do you see generally HR leaders now if, um, as being more of a strategic partner? Or generally across the board, are you seeing more strategic HR professionals in the profession or are you seeing more transactional operational professionals? And do you think I need that balance needs to change? Yeah, well, well, for decades, people have been talking about a seat at the table and be a strategic yeah. business partner. And, and frankly, it's been largely lip service rather than truth, uh, rather than the way that the function has truly operated. That lip service continues to exist, but the truth is beginning to shift more and more towards that advisory and consultative partner aspect. And there are, there are a number of different reasons for this, as more leaders are acknowledging that they don't know what they don't know, that we're in changing times, that things are really complicated with 
uh, the great resignation and remote work and pandemic compliance and you name it, things are different. And I, I think it, again, for a variety of reasons, leaders are acknowledging this is important. I don't know it. And I could really use an expert in to help me. Yeah. Sure. No, of course. Now, we mentioned in the introduction, you obviously have written a definitive guide. Um, it's a book which is available on Amazon. The link will be in the show notes. So please do click through and check it out. It's called Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High Growth Organizations. And it's really for leaders of high growth companies that are seeking to understand and execute the people management principles that are essential to continued success in such a business. So I wonder if you could share some of the common issues that you've seen HR leaders come up against and perhaps some of the strategies from the book, which may help some of the listeners right now to, to overcome potentially some of those issues. Sure. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And boy, you, you uh, presented that very well. I, I actually noticed that you uh, you have a certification from the Chartered Management uh, Institute. I do. Yeah. Uh, same way, yeah. I, yeah the, the book was just nominated um, for Book of the Year uh, with CMI. Fantastic. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how far we uh, we get in that process. But boy, what an honor just to be recognized with a nomination. Yeah. So you know, a couple of central themes uh, with scaling for success. It's it's truly targeted at high growth organizations. So there's this donut hole in research and practice where most of what's out there in academia is about large, well established organizations. You know, it's more ripe for academic study. Sure. Most of the books that have been published um, about popular practices are about giant, successful, well-known companies like Google or you know, Amazon or you name it. But the practices that will help your organization be successful as a small, high-growth, often founder-led organization are probably different. And that's something that uh, you know Dave Ulrich and John Boudreaux and, and others recognized as they blurred the book for us. They said, "Hey, this is a gap," and and, and so that that's key. The, the context is different in high growth, and so starting from that point, that the quote old rules don't necessarily apply. Let's start with have a plan in the chaos of rapid growth and quick change. Start with having a plan. It doesn't mean that that's an annual plan that doesn't change at all. Like, of course, you're going to evolve it and doesn't necessarily need to be a 50-page you know, McKinsey strategy guide. Sure. But what are the handful of things that are most important for you and your team to accomplish? Start there. Second, really filter those most important things through what's important to you in your context. So again, don't borrow, don't borrow those most important things from Google or LinkedIn or whatever big, well-known organization you've heard about or whatever you know, CEO founder roundtable Zoom call you had over the weekend with your venture capital partners. Think about what's most important for you, your organization right now. So have a plan, make it your own, prioritize ruthlessly. Th those are some real basics, uh, but boy, that's where a lot of early stage organizations um, you know, don't start with the right foundation. They're trying to do too much, and they're trying to do things that apply to another type of organization. Yeah, I, as well as I've, I've been guilty of this, and we're a founder-led business. We're small uh, as a recruitment firm. Uh, we're definitely in a period of rapid growth ourselves at the moment. 
Um, but it's very easy as a founder to look at the latest trends to suddenly go, actually, let, let's start giving our employees unlimited holiday or let's look at four day working weeks and all these things because they're on trend. But actually, because some of these companies now have been doing this for, for a longer time, there's actually some studies coming out now that says that these things don't always work. You've suddenly discovered what the pitfalls are. But it's so easy to, to go straight headfirst into it because you think it's what Google are doing or, as you say, one of these other business, businesses that are well established are doing that we respect and we, we look up to. But it may not be right for our business. And actually, that may not yeah. be what our employees are, are looking to motivate them. And it's, it's really hard sometimes because you don't want to be caught out. But at the same time, it's not always right for you. So I think the advice you gave is absolutely right. We've got a plan. We are sticking to it and we're doing it stage by stage and it's working for us. doesn't mean that sometimes I don't get tempted by the sweets in the sweet shop. <laughs> because when you implement it, it's very hard to put it back. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I mean, we talk about bright, shiny objects in the, in the world of management practices and don't, you know, don't be distracted by those bright, shiny objects. Don't lose your focus. Be brilliant at the basics. If you're in a you know, startup, high growth organization, you know, many technology firms are disrupting uh, the industry that they're a part of. You want to be disruptive with your product or your service, not with your management practices. It's already this incredibly risky environment where you're trying to scale quickly and trying to find product market fit and trying to land early customers. Don't elevate that risk by doing inventive things with your management practices. So be brilliant at the basics, get some stuff right, be clear about what your priorities are. Otherwise, you're just really increasing the risk and increasing your chances of failure as an organization. Yeah, and no, I couldn't agree more. And that, that way, you let the service and the product the talking and lead the growth, not not the management practices. Now, I'm imagining you're the expert here, Andrew. But when it comes to high growth organisations, there's always going to be some kind of limitation on your resources, your talent, time. It doesn't seem to be certainly in my experience. Uh, otherwise, I'd probably be adopting it, a kind of a one size fits all approach to to human resources or best practice. So. Where, what would you recommend to those founder-led businesses, those high-growth organizations who probably want a one-size-fits-all, but it doesn't exist? You mentioned having a plan being really important. What else can we do to make sure we're able to deliver an effective HR service? Yeah, um, well, it, that's that's a key nuance. So I, I talk about um, avoiding the lifting and shifting of other organizations. But at the same time, is there a framework that you can follow as a high growth organization? Like what are the areas that you should be aware of? I'd be clear that there isn't a checklist. There isn't a playbook or cookbook actually resisted calling this book a playbook. We talked about it as the people playbook at one point, Okay, Uh, but it's not, it's gotta be your playbook. Um, What's the right playbook for you? So we, we were very clear that um, for, a, for a business leader or a human resources leader at a high growth organization, you can and should be aware of a number of different aspects of management practices. So what does your structure look like and how should it function? How are decisions made at your organization? How are you attracting talent? Um, how are you compensating People. So we we break all of these down. There are you know eight different areas that are worth considering, and we give uh, a short list of some of the basics in each of these categories. But if we were to drop in the checklist of these are all the things that you should do, we would be guilty of the cardinal sin that we're trying to uh, encourage people to avoid, which is you know lifting and shifting and you know doing whatever's right for somebody else rather than what's right for you. 
So our focus is give you a framework, understand what the bases are, and then you decide for you what the right way to cover those bases are. Yeah, nice, nice. Now, of course, I mentioned you've got 25 years experience in talent and HR management, which is great to have you on, on the podcast today. You might even I've been in this industry for 20 years this year for in terms of HR recruitment, and I have never seen generally so much rapid transformation, growth change that I'm seeing right now, going from a period of almost complete nothing happening with the pandemic was at its worst and everyone sort of shutting up shop and, and pausing all programs to the complete opposite right now where everyone's trying to catch up or they've realized that there are holes in their models and they're trying to undergo huge you know change programs and whatever that might be in your experience what are the biggest obstacles or challenges that hr professionals need to be aware of when it comes to trying to deliver change whether that's a high growth or you know whether it's organizational change digital whatever that might be what are some of the the common obstacles that you've found and 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 perhaps some some methods of overcoming those i'd actually uh you know twist the question a, a bit and it's it's less about obstacles in implementing the change and, and more about deciding what the right change should be. Okay. Yeah. That makes so sense. It, uh, there are a lot of people that are attracted to the, to the HR profession who are natural helpers who desire to please their business leaders who desire to please the employee population. And so just being really thoughtful and cautious about, are you executing the ask or are you really thinking about what the right solution is? You know, so the, the analogy could be, you know, as an HR professional, are you a, a drug dispensary or are you a licensed pharmacist? As a drug dispensary, it, you're over-the-counter hand, handing people aspirin that, that order the aspirin. If you're a licensed pharmacist or a doctor, the patient comes in, describes the issue, and then you prescribe for them what the right thing to address their need is. So thinking upstream as an HR professional, what is the right thing for your organization in this environment of high turnover, uh, wage rate acceleration, remote work, uh, increased choice, pay transparency, like you, you name it. Be clear about thinking through what your needs are, what your target workers desire, um, and what your organization is capable and willing to offer them. It's matching the solution with the need versus just trying to execute. We, we, I think, very quickly jumped to change management when we could be thinking about solution selection. Um, So start with solution selection. And then once you get into change management, you know, frankly, the change gets easier to manage if it's a a solution that more clearly matches your needs. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. In your mind, and maybe it isn't a binary question, but 
what's more important from an HR standpoint, working on ensuring you've got the best talent attraction strategies in play, which may be some of those bells and whistles, making sure you've got your cultural alliance, so you can attract good talent, that you're inclusive. Or is it, should it be more focused on the retention of existing employees or is it impossible to separate the two? I think they're certainly related. The environment that your organization operates in, the culture that you create will both impact your attrition rate as well as your ability to attract. That said, a rising tide floats all boats. And if you're a wildly successful unicorn, you know, chances are you may have some applicants that are reaching out to you versus an unknown pre-seed uh, organization that's trying to get its name out there and having a dickens of a time trying to find a software engineer at any price. Sure. So it, in terms of focus on retention or attraction, it depends what stage your organization is at. If you've just recently raised a round, as so many venture-backed companies have done, your money, money's flowing awfully freely right now, you're focusing hard on growth. You're trying to deploy those dollars to build your product, get the product market fit, uh, to establish your foothold. So attraction tends to be uh, one of the greatest focus areas of these, quote, high growth organizations. And I, I define high growth by headcount growth of 50% or more net in a 12-month period. You may find different definitions, that, but that's, that's how I look at it. And many of these venture-backed organizations at the series ABC stage are growing a heck of a lot faster than that, right? They're 2Xing to 5Xing in 12 to 18 months. So attraction tends to be the primary focus at early stage uh, venture-backed companies. And so with that, have a tight focus on your EVP, your employment value proposition. What would attract somebody to come work for you? Uh, what's your story? There are 700-ish unicorns nowadays. So even if you're a unicorn, it's not as special as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's special about you? And if you can articulate that to incoming uh, candidates, maybe there'd be some value in articulating that to your existing employees as well. So often it's a lot of the same strategies to retain and engage uh, your existing team as it is to bring them in. Yeah, I think it's a, fa a fantastic response, Andrew. I'm glad I asked the question. And um, obviously, you talked a little bit about um, some of the motivations people come into the HR profession. Some of it's because they like that that looking after the employee piece, the more emotional, empathetic side of HR. But we also know there's a there's a strategic element to it as well, and it can be very driven and and C-suite led as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about your People Leader Accelerator program? Because I understand that is a program that is really helping executives to and top HR, top talent, top organizational development professionals within growing companies in particular to really propel their organizations and their careers alongside it, right? Which is great. And it's something that we're passionate about here in, in terms of JJ Recruitment. So I wonder if you could just give us a bit of an insight in terms of some of the work you're doing uh, with that program. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's a, a natural outgrowth from the book, uh, Scaling for Success. So the, the book was intended to help business leaders and HR leaders think about what are the management practices that will support a high growth organization. We then took that, my co-author and I, Brad Harris, uh, who's, a, who's a professor of management, uh, we, we took that and turned it into a 16-week executive MBA-like experience where, you know, it's not a, a training where you, you know, cash a check and get a certification. This is a lot more like uh, getting an advanced degree and building a community 
of, of alumni that support each other. So uh, we're really focused on this niche community of HR leaders at high growth, typically founder-led organizations, very specifically on the head of the function. What can we do to prepare the head of the function, head of the HR function at a high growth founder-led organization to be more successful, to be more competent, to be more confident, to make the selections that are right for their organization and their function around what are the solutions that will work for you? So navigating your stakeholders, identifying who your stakeholders are, identifying your priorities, and and then articulating those uh, priorities to your stakeholders to get support. Pressure testing some of your different ideas around talent attraction and total rewards with a peer group, as well as a, a group of highly experienced people leaders like myself. There are four of us on faculty. And between us, I think we've led human resources 15-ish different times at high growth organizations. And then we have the PhD on top of that. Long answer to a short question. People Leader Accelerator is intended to be the most targeted program that prepares the head of the HR function at high growth founder-led organizations to be more successful. Uh, It balances that humanistic approach with a business-oriented approach aligning the priorities of your organization with the most important priorities of your company, of your larger organization. Fantastic. Well, there's anyone listening to this right now that goes, you know what, that's where I am. I want to know more. This sounds like the perfect program for me. And you want to be part of that peer-to-peer community, which obviously would become come with that program. Please do check the show notes. I will put a link directly to the People Accelerator um, a website where you can sign up and find out more from Andrew directly and have a look into that. So uh, yeah, I'll make sure it's available, but sounds like a fantastic program for anyone in a high growth company that really wants to be a top leader in their field. And we're going to open the HR vault in just a moment, uh, Andrew, which are going to be four short, sharp questions um, in the world of HR. Before we do, I wondered if we could just, if I could ask you to just kind of, this may or may not be possible. If I asked you to reduce down all of your HR experience with all the companies you've worked for, the people you've supported, all the people you've led, into just one piece of advice that would help an HR leader to scale for success, what would it be and why? I'd say align your priorities with that of your organization. The the HR function can often get caught up in doing stuff, air quote, because it's the right thing to do or because one stakeholder group wants it done. You know, the CEO wants this or the employees want that or we need to be compliant with whatever the latest you know, regulation is. But if you align what your HR function is working on with what's most important that your CEO is sharing with your investors and your board, if your top three priorities align perfectly with the top three priorities of your organization, your chances of success are dramatically better. The odds that you'll get the resources allocated to you, that you'll get credibility, that you'll truly be a strategic partner. If you're working on the right stuff, that's a massive step in the right direction. And I love that because it's taken us full circle. I think we started there as well. Right at the start of the podcast, we we're talking about that alignment piece and the finish there as well. I, I think really echoes the importance of that element. Opening the L and D vault. Fantastic. We're going to open the HR L&D vault, which are four short, sharp questions for you, Andrew. Question number one. In hindsight, what is one thing you now know that you wish you had known when you began your career? 
boy, I, I wish I would have known how it would, how it would turn out. <laughs> yeah. 25 years later and working at some great Academy companies and, uh, in human resources, I started at Pepsi and general electric and, you know, moved through, uh, startups and mid caps. And, you know, I, I would have stressed out a lot less about building my experience and, you know, working the 80 hour weeks and climbing the corporate ladder and what relationship am I, uh, struggling with or not many people in this job, it's often a subjectively assessed role. You can really burn out and stress out and work yourself into the ground because you're not sure if you're doing well. And so, boy, I wish I would have known how it would turn out and I would have had a much more gentle ride through the last 25 years. I suspect there's a lot of HR professionals resonating with that response, certainly in terms of the 80-hour weeks and the burnout side. Um, with someone who's got 25 years' experience, you've helped so many executive leaders you know, achieve amazing goals in the world of HR, help high-growth organizations. But if I could ask you to narrow down your greatest success uh, or achievement, what would that be? I, I'm really proud of having taken what, what's now Invitation Homes through three or four stages of transformational growth. Took a real estate technology company, originally known as Waypoint Homes, from a couple hundred people to a couple thousand people through three different mergers and acquisitions, two different public offerings, three different private equity sponsors, uh, three different CEOs. Uh, I'm, I'm just so proud of, of having helped an organization turn from a small regional player into a massive publicly traded organization as the head of the human resources function and, and all the careers that that supported and a, a new industry that it disrupted. Uh, that, that was really one of, not one of, that was the capstone in-house experience of, of my career was as the, as the head of HR for what's now Invitation Homes. Incredible, incredible. I'm really glad they asked the question. Fantastic. Well done. Um, if you had the opportunity, what advice would you give a younger self just starting out in the world of work? Well, it may date back to that, uh, you know, writing more gently for your career. Don't stress out as much as you could or as you have. You know, early in my career, you know, even, even until not that long ago, I was somewhat embarrassed about sharing with people at a, at a dinner party or that I might meet in passing that I'm in human resources. I heard far too often, oh, well, people must love you or people must hate you. And there are all these assumptions about what HR is for the non-HR professionals, right? You work in benefits or payroll or employee relations. Those are the things that pop to mind first. And I used to tell people I'm in internal management consulting rather than telling them I was in HR. And so a lot of the work that I do today is intended to help elevate the profession, to make it a higher quality of internal management consulting so that the people that aren't in it every day can understand what it can bring to an organization so that the next group of HR professionals to enter the field can enter it with, with even more pride, knowing that others are doing great work and that they can and should be proud to be a part of it. Fantastic. I, mean, I don't know if that's resonating with my listeners. It's definitely resonating with me. I mean, I work in recruitment. 
specializes in HR and payroll, which are three industries, which a lot of people may be <laughs> a little bit embarrassed to talk about sometimes. You know, recruitment gets bad press, payroll gets bad press, HR gets bad press. And, um, you know, if we can elevate all of those areas and it's something that we're trying to do here, I'm trying to do through this podcast, having experts like yourself on the show. Um, I couldn't agree more. And I'm really glad that you gave that response because I think collectively we are making change. And hopefully the pandemic, if there is some good to come out of it, it's something as an appreciation now for HR, an appreciation for the work that payroll professionals, recruitment professionals and, and HR professionals have been doing. So couldn't agree more. Last question, uh, Andrew, if I may, which is what is the guiding principle or behavior that you have seen in every great leader that you've worked with? I think the great leaders have awareness of their context. They, they know what's needed in the moment and they're willing to adapt. They're willing to adapt to the team that's around them to support the, the team that might work for them. They're willing to adapt to the needs of their investors or their bosses and get aligned with what the needs are. And so there, there's that awareness, there's that adaptability. I think those go hand in hand within great leaders. Boy, there's never been a clearer point in time where those sorts of qualities are important as so much is changing around us. So be aware of what's happening, be adaptable, and that will help you be more successful. You know, everybody has a, has a group that depends on them and everybody has a boss one way or another. Sure. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I suspect if this was a live webinar with a Q&A, we'd be flooded with questions right now to, to take more of your expertise and, and, and reposition it with more questions. But sadly, we don't have that availability right now. I think it's been a fantastic podcast. And I would love to, uh, I guess, ask you, Andrew, you know, where can our listeners find out more? I'm going to have links to your book, I have links to your People Accelerator program in the, in the show notes. Anywhere else you'd like to direct, uh, direct our listeners? Yeah, well, well, thanks again, Nick. Um, LinkedIn, there aren't that many Andrew Bartlows uh, out on LinkedIn. Uh, please uh, follow me or connect with me. Um, PeopleLeaderAccelerator.com uh, is our website. And uh, I also have my personal uh, consulting and advisory practice called Series B Consulting that I'm sure will be in the show notes. It will be. I'll include that. So for those interested, it'll be in the show notes, but it's seriesbconsulting.com if you want to find out more about that. Uh, PeopleLeaderAccelerator.com for that program. I'll put a link to the Amazon uh, book and also a link to Andrew Bartlow's uh, LinkedIn profile as well. So please do follow Andrew if you're interested in finding out more about any of those programs, more about high growth, HR principles or anything else. A uh, great person to follow. I have. That's how we've uh, communicated today. So Andrew, Absolute pleasure to have you on the HR LD podcast show today. And let me just remind you all if you are, of course, looking for an HR professional for your team, for your business, and you don't know where to turn and you need an executive search partner to support you in that search, please do give myself or any of my colleagues a call. You can reach us at www.jgarecruitment.com. And those, uh, that link rather, will also be in the show notes. Thanks again, Andrew. I look forward to speaking to you all again real soon. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.